Okay, I, this thought will not leave my head. I don't know how many of you <clears throat> out there are old enough to remember the old Hanna-Barbera cartoons, you know, the, the Flintstones, uh, Scooby-Doo, the Jetsons. Remember how they would visit each other? Like the Flintstones would come to the Jetsons, or the Jetsons would be on the Flintstones, or, you know, the characters would come visit each other on their shows. I don't know what it is, but Anchor reminds me so much of that. It, it's just hilarious. I am just about to head off to work, and I just had to wish everyone a happy winter solstice. I, I love this. I, I, I love this day of the year. So I'm going to read something from Wikipedia, in case you don't know what the winter solstice is. The winter solstice, also known as midwinter, is an astronomical phenomenon marking the day with the shortest period of daylight and the longest night of the year. In the northern hemisphere, this is the December solstice, and the southern hemisphere, this is the June solstice. The axial tilt of Earth and gyroscopic effects of its daily rotation mean that the two opposite points in the sky to which the Earth's axis of rotation points, axial precession, change very slowly, making a complete circle approximately every 26,000 years. As the Earth follows its orbit around the Sun, the polar hemisphere that faced away from the Sun, experiencing winter, will, in half a year, face towards the Sun and experience summer. This is because the two hemispheres face opposite directions along Earth's axis, and so as one polar hemisphere experiences winter, the other experiences summer. Hey, working like a woman. This is Lance Ludens calling in to just say thank you for favoriting my station. It really does mean a lot to me. Um, I was actually checking out what you're putting out, and I really do love it. Um, I'm just trying to get some work in right now before I actually have to go to my day job. So I look forward to coming back to seeing what you're doing because um, I only got a, mi a couple minutes in, but that segment on, on toxicity I think has some really key points. Would love to hear back from you. Maybe have a phone call, connect maybe collab down the future, let me know. Just wanted to say thanks. Hope you're having a great day. Hey, Ronnie, it's Patrick. Are we cartoon characters? I don't know. I remember the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, though. I remember when the Flintstones met uh, the Jetsons. Remember when the Flintstones had that stupid Martian that came on? I can't even remember what his name was, but it was almost like when uh, Jumping the Shark, Happy Days, those type of shows, when all of a sudden... They call it jumping the shark when a show just kind of went downhill and tanked. I hope that doesn't happen to my show. It might. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not sure what family I am. I know that the Munsters and the Adams Family came together before because those shows were out at around the same time. And I don't know if the Adams Family visited the Munsters or the Munsters visited the Adams Family. I don't know. What family am I? I don't even know what family I am. I'm not sure if I'm a Munster or a uh, Adams Family. I, I would rather be an Adams Family. I think they were. I, I was more of an Adams Family person than the Monsters. Monsters was. I mean, I'm goofy, but that was kind of goofy. All right, peace. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for that call in. I don't know who was that Martian. It wasn't Marvin the Martian. He was on Bugs Bunny, right? Yeah, I think we should all come up with our our cartoon character self. I don't know who I would be either. I was trying to think. Oh no. I always like the Wonder Twins. I always wish I had a twin just because I like the Wonder Twins so much. But 
you know, never had a twin. Had a sister who uh, we never really got along, and even to this day we don't even speak all that much. So we're definitely not the Wonder Twins. I've got a crazy labradoodle who uh, sings when he eats. He eats and he goes as he's eating, and you know he's he's so vocal. And I've always thought that he was definitely Astro from the Jetsons. And Z, he said he thinks he's Daffy Duck, but I always pictured him as Hong Kong Fooey. I let now Hong Kong Fooey was my absolute favorite as a kid. I even had a Hong Kong Fooey lunchbox in kindergarten. So I think it is kind of fun to to figure out who we are. Anyone else out there? Who are you? Who's your cartoon personality? Hey, Ronnie. Uh, the Great Gazoo was the name of the Martian, and the guy who voiced it was Harvey Corman. So yeah, we know that we know that name, and I remember that. And I re- I remember Hong Kong Fu. You know, I I don't think I was a huge fan of Hong Kong Fu, but I was a, I liked Captain Caveman kind of how he he'd do that yell and he'd pull everything out of his. I don't I don't even think it was his beard. I think it was just his body. He just was a big hairball. He'd just yell, Captain Caveman. I remember. You know what other one I remember um, was the Herculoids. I don't know if you remember that one, but that was good with like a gleep and gloop. And, uh, I, you know, I, I can't remember the rest of it. I remember the, the, the oh, you know, with the other one, the Herculoids. And then right right near it was Thundar, Thundar the Barbarian. Remember that? And he had like a lightsaber, basically, a light sword. All right. Thanks, Roddy, for sparking those memories. I appreciate it. Take care. Peace. The Great Gazoo. That's right. Oh, I love the Great Gazoo. And Thundar the Barbarian. Yes, and the Herculoids. It's so funny how these things just right out of your head. And as soon as you say them, they are right back. Like as if you're, I don't even remember how old I was when I was watching those. What great memories. And our kids are missing out on this stuff. I wonder, is all this stuff still played out on the Cartoon Network? I don't know. I'm going to have to go look. Thanks, Patrick. Okay, here you go, guys. Uh, here it goes, guys. Who are you? What is your cartoon character? Oh, don't start with me. I need uh, to think more. I need to think more. Uh, all right, who? Um, Patrick. Patrick? Yeah, Patrick, Patrick, the star in SpongeBob. The star in SpongeBob. No, it's just making a friend. Uh, I'd have to say Cartman Rick Sanchez What is that? It's a cartoon guy That's a cartoon character It's Rick and Tom Kenny from South Park Kenny (laughs) That's funny Alright, who's your mom? Uh, Oh Any cartoon Uh, Yeah is Wonder Woman a cartoon? Wonder Woman? Yeah. Alright. <laughs> uh, Cartman's mom. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I...
Good morning, everyone. You just heard Obi, that's our crazy labradoodle, doing his morning routine. He likes to sing or really enjoy his breakfast. I'm not sure which it is, but I, I always try to catch him. I always try to record him doing that. Every time I pull out the phone, he stops. So this time he didn't see me, and I, I managed to get it. I, I am almost certain that George Lucas had or has Labradoodles because every Labradoodle I've ever met just sounds exactly like Chewbacca. And so many of them are named after Star Wars characters. So that's a theory I have. I don't know. Does anyone know? Quotes the day from Plato. The greatest wealth is to live content with little. Courage is knowing what not to fear. Necessity is the mother of invention. Ignorance is the root and stem of all evil. Okay, I had to do a little research into this Chewbacca Labradoodle thing. And according to Wikipedia, Chewbacca's creation as a gentle, hairy, non-English speaking co-pilot was inspired by George Lucas seeing his own dog sitting up on the passenger seat of his car. It is said that Chewbacca's name is derived from Sobaka, the Russian word for dog. And then it goes on to say Chewbacca's voice was created by the original film sound designer, Ben Burt, from recordings of walruses, lions, camels, bears, rabbits, tigers, and badgers in Burt's personal menagerie. The individual recordings were mixed at different ratios for Chewbacca's different utterances. One of the most prominent elements in the voice was a black bear named Tarek from Happy Hollow Zoo in San Jose, California. So, at least uh, we were partially right there. The inspiration came from George Lucas's dog. Whether he was a Labradoodle or not is um, still unknown. But... Very interesting. I'm a huge Star Wars fan and obviously a big fan of dogs, so that is just wonderful. I I'm, I'm, love little bits of information like that. I've got Star Wars on the brain. We tried to go see it last weekend and it was sold out everywhere, or at least everywhere we wanted to go. We've got these places out here called Studio Movie Grill and you go watch the movie and they have like waiters and waitresses that come around and you can order food and drinks and all that kind of fun stuff so it really makes going to see a, a new movie much more fun that way. So I'm really hoping we can get to see it this weekend. I'm going to try to get us some tickets and if anyone out there has seen it, don't spoil it. But let me know if it's any good. All right, maybe it's the mathematician in me, or maybe it's the computer scientist in me. I don't know. But these anchor charts, I trying to figure out the algorithm that they're using is killing me. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you go from 20 to 60 to 25 to top 500 to it's insane in like in a matter of 10 minutes so you know i'm just trying these little it's okay i'm trying to debug it but 
you add this, and you jump 20. You don't record in four hours. Oh, you don't go anywhere. Oh, you don't record in six hours. Oh, you're going down to number 90. I don't know. There's, there's got to be some logic here, but I'm just not seeing it quite yet. So if anyone out there has any idea what this algorithm is, let me know because it's driving me crazy. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to figure out the algorithm so I can be top in the charts because that's not my reason for being on Anchor or for trying to figure out this algorithm. It is purely uh, scholastic here. <laughs> so, I don't know, just playing around and trying to figure out what the, uh, you know, what the different variables are. I don't know, it's fun for me. Honestly, I think that having the, the charts and the ranking system as they do on Anchor is, um, I think is detrimental to the platform. I think if people are, um, you know, recording their things or recording so many segments just to stay in the charts, it's detrimental to the content on Anchor because what we all want is quality content. And um, I don't know. I don't want it to turn into a social media type platform like Facebook where it's all about popularity. I really just want to come out here and hear some quality content and learn some things and have some quality discussions, interactions with people. Oh, well. Anyway, in the meantime, it'll... um, keep me busy mentally trying to uh, work backwards this algorithm and figure out what it is. Good night, everyone. Okay. Yes, I'm still obsessing. Here's my issue with the current algorithm for the charts. You can't be number 20 and then 10 minutes later be number 50 doesn't make any sense. Now I am, I have a degree in computer science. I have a degree in mathematics. I have worked in the industry for years and I've written countless, countless programs and mathematical equations for a whole lot of companies out there. I wrote programs for the Navy I wrote programs for the the uh, U.S. Navy warfare gaming system. You know, I, I have some experience here. And let me tell you, this makes no sense. And I think that's why it's driving me crazy. <laughs> what you need to do, or what they should be doing, is taking into account, to a very small percentage, the last five or ten minutes but it should be a running total, a, a running average. So you don't have these wild fluctuations in the chart every five minutes. It's insane. And it is not accurate at all. I mean, it might be accurate time slice in the last five minutes, but overall, it's just, it's not accurate. I don't know, maybe I would, I would think they're doing it on purpose. 
And the only reason I could think that they're doing it this way is to encourage um, the new users out there so that they see some, some instant feedback or instant gratification. But uh, I don't know. It's not the way I would do it, but okay. Hey, Ronnie, it's Gigi from Bright Beautiful World. Ever since you called into my station, I've been racking my brains about what I could share. Um, because, of course, I have had successes, but they're all sales-related, and I, I don't think anyone would find that remotely useful. But I was just talking about... Um, sorry. I was just listening to your segments about toxic relationships. And I, what I found very peculiar is they actually reminded me of bosses I've worked for or jobs I've been in <laughs> rather than personal relationships um, like I've actually had a boss say you know I'm just trying to save your job uh, the market's really tough there aren't many jobs out there I'm just trying to keep bums on seats and things manipulative like that so oh no I'm running out of time hang on I'll call back hey it's Gigi again uh, from Bright Beautiful World. Um, so I think what I would like to share the most is that my biggest struggle has been remaining myself in an industry that doesn't always recognise what you have to, or what I have to give, or my my strengths, and working for companies that. I have to work so hard to demonstrate the strengths that they value and um, that has been my biggest struggle actually, remaining myself and staying who I am. Well of course I want to grow and everything like that but essentially staying who I am within a company that does not value that. So that's been my biggest struggle. Anyway I hope you're well, I'm finding this really fascinating so I can't wait to hear more call-ins. Good morning, everyone. We are on the subject today of toxic bosses. And thank you to Gigi so much for that call in. The boss or employer employee relationship um, is definitely a relationship that is hard to describe. Now, I have had the pleasure of being in both positions. I've been the employee, I've been the employer. I, I, I own my own company now. I have several employees that I have to manage every day. And it's very hard. If you've never been in the boss position, it's very hard to see that point of view. And if you, I guess, I mean, I would think that everyone's been in an employee position at some point. I think it'd be pretty hard to be a boss without ever having been an employee. I guess maybe unless you inherited the company. But there's definitely this fine line that you have to walk between, um, you know, being motivational, you know, as the boss, being motivational, um, being supportive, being nice, but still enforcing, you know, it's kind of like being a parent in a way. And I don't mean that in a, a derogatory term whatsoever, but you know, you want to be nice to everyone. You want to be friendly. You can't really be friends with the employees, but you also, I mean, you can't say mean things or, uh, 
you know, lower their self-esteem or that type of thing. And you, I mean, you generally want to be nice and, and keep a, a peaceful work environment. And when I worked in Silicon Valley as a um, software engineer, and I, there was one particular company I worked for where I was a consultant, it was a consulting firm, and I would go out to clients' sites and look at their systems and, um, you know, figure out basically what was wrong with their system and go in and fix it. And, you know, they billed me out a certain dollar per hour rate and, and that type of thing. And I would travel, travel all over the country doing that. But when I was not traveling, and this was... This was 20 years ago. This was in the 90s. It's when I was in my late 20s. And it was very unusual for a woman to be in that position. I, in fact, I can't, I can't recall any other women who were actually um, the actual consultants in the consulting firm, now that I think about it. I mean, there were women, there were, there were secretaries and that type of thing, but... So I was kind of in a, a unique position to begin with. And when I was not out in the field, I would be in-house, and that was very rare. It was, you know, maybe one or two weeks out of the year, but I would be in-house, and I had a desk there. And basically, whoever was in-house did the computer support for the salesman and that type of thing, which is, you know, that is not what we did for a living. We were software engineers. We were not uh, techie computer support, but, you know, we could do it. So um, that's how they, they worked it instead of hiring another person in to do that. So at that time, I would have to deal with my immediate boss, who was not a software person, but... Uh, you know, not a computer science person, but actually a uh, salesman. And I can recall this one time, actually, you know, it was one time that I was based in the office. It was a span of two to three weeks. And they would call me into their offices. You know, and I mean, these were men in their 40s and 50s, and I was in my 20s. They would call me into their office and say, oh, my computer's broken. Can you look at it? So, you know, trying to be all professional, I'd come around to their desk, and they'd have pornography up on the screen, a very vivid pornography. And it was just to, you know, and then they'd laugh. And it was simply to make me squirm. And that is, uh, you know, I mean, that's an example of many things that you should not do <laughs> in society. It's an example of the 90s for sure, but that's a pretty good example of a bad boss. Now, of course, I did not squirm, and it ruined all their fun. So it didn't take them long to figure out that uh, they couldn't mess with me. And, you know, I learned to not react to, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not being... Um, not picking on men here, but it, you know, it was generally men who pulled this kind of stuff. And I learned to be very careful being one of the few women in the field and surrounded by and traveling with men a lot. I learned to be very careful and very guarded 
very early on in my professional career. Um, and even going through college, as a, I, I have a degree in computer science and a degree in math, and back in those days, and I certainly hope it has changed now, but back in those days, that was a pretty male-dominated field, and I was one of the very few women in my classes at the time, and I, even all the professors were men. It was very male-dominated, and I learned very quickly how to deflect, ignore, um, react in the right way with um, unwanted advances or, you know, unwanted um, comments or, you know, anything that comes with that territory. So I have always conducted myself very professionally, um, you know, in the, in the workplace and even in my, my private life. So because of those experiences that has carried over to now my role as a, as a, a boss, you know, being a boss myself. And I, I do not disrespect my employees whatsoever. And I, I just, I mean, I, I the, stare, the stories need to be shared without a doubt, but they just make me cringe. We're in a professional work setting where we're all here trying to get a job done. And if there's some, you know, there's people who aren't there trying to get their job done. And if they're not there to work and they're not there to be professional, just tactfully fire them and move on. You know, a lot of the problem is these people that are tolerated in a workplace that just should not be there. And then some of them are promoted through, you know, whether it's the good old boys club or it's, you know, whoever, the niece or the nephew of the owner, whatever it is, they get promoted through the ranks and then they just behave very badly. And... You know, in my experience, that has been the troublemakers. And we, everyone, everyone needs to speak up. And, you know, I guess that has more to do with sexual harassment, the whole uh, Me Too campaign. But that is speaking up. And we need to speak up for all kinds of misbehavior. And we, as a society, need to... Um, you know, take control of this, take responsibility. We can't say, oh, well, they're my boss. I can't do anything about it. No, you need to speak up. We, we can clear out toxicity in the workplace if we find our voice and if we're strong enough to say, hey, this is not right. And I have to say, and again, this is not a dig at women out there, but I have to say that in the workplace, when I'm hearing the little, the you know, the women using these cutesy, flirty voices, trying to ha ha ha, you know, with their boss and stuff, don't do it. Believe me, don't do it. It leads to nowhere good. Um, you know, it's bad for your personal relationships. It's bad for your workplace relationships. Coworkers don't like it. Just knock it off. 
there are better ways to work your way to the top, be professional, be yourself. You will get there on your own merits.